0: We're going through a series called More Like Jesus, and as we journey through Luke's gospel, Luke's account of the life and teaching and and work and ministry of Jesus, um, we're learning to become more like Jesus. Even the strongest atheist will probably agree that if people were to become a little bit more like Jesus, they would become a better person. Because Jesus, even if he was just a made-up person, He was a good person but we believe and scripture says that Jesus is the son of God and he's a great person, not just a person but he's God himself and we want to become more and more like Jesus and today I want us to think about potential, three images that have potential behind them. The first image in the middle, someone wearing a hat, I think it's a lady two pathways. Potential to go one way or one way or some people are already moving in their seats because it's one way or another. I saw you Lisa, I was with you, don't worry. One way or another and if you go one way with a decision, it could be really good. If you go the other way, it could be some people are saying disaster, or some people are saying even better. And it's both. With decisions, you could make a decision and it, it turns out really good. You could make another decision and it turns out really bad. Or you could make a decision and it turns out well. But if you'd made a different decision, it could, it could, be made, it could turn out even better. Decisions have a potential to go uh, different ways. The little boy. I loved this image when I saw it. There's cheekiness. There's um, fun and kind of the the smile and he's got his hands in his pockets. Probably he's he's rebelling a little bit with his hands in his pockets. He's got the bow tie looking smart. And some of us, when we see that image like I did to begin with, we think, oh... But when we look at children, when we saw Zach getting baptised, maybe in our minds we're thinking, what will they become? What potential do they have within them, to themselves? With the right environment, with the right encouragement, the right championing, what could they go on to do? That boy, I would love to say, turned out to be... But it's just a random person. I don't know who who he is. But I like the picture. So I used it. But the point is, when we look at people with the right environment, the right nurture, the right championing, they could go on. They have the potential to go on to do things that are amazing. And then there's this Apple. Anyone notice the apple on the table? Yeah. The apple. Now, yeah, there we go. Um, I didn't even get a round of applause, but, but, but there, there we go. Um, so inside an apple, you've got about five seeds. Inside each apple, on average, five seeds. Sometimes there are eight. Some of you will be counting them next time you have an apple. Some of you, though, will just simply eat the apple. And when you take an apple, and it's red and juicy, and and it's like, oh, this is good. And in a moment, you've consumed it. But those five seeds could, with the right um, environment, the right nurture, go on to make five trees. Nice one, Rose. And those five trees... After about five years, start producing apples. As that tree matures, when it becomes a mature apple tree, how many apples per year do you think a mature apple tree, on average, produces? 500. Whoa. Some of you are thinking, the apple tree in my garden never produces 500. (laughs) Maybe you need to think about the environment. I I don't know. Potential for a moment of satisfaction. Nice. Potential to grow not just into a tree that produces an apple, But potential to grow into a tree that produces an apple, that produces another tree, that produces an apple, that produces another tree, that produces an apple. And it goes on and on and on. Inside this one little seed is the potential for many orchards. Let's open God's words together because in this passage we see that there are things about potential... That in the future, there will be a more, or kind of a greater thing, um, because po- potential means to have or show the capacity to develop into something else in the future. And in God's Word today, we have some things that will help us think about decisions, think about when we look at people, and think about there's something more than just a moment of satisfaction. In Luke chapter 6, we read these words, one Sabbath, Jesus was going, wrong passage, sorry, one of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he also designated apostles, Simon, whom he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. In these um, few verses, there's an action and a mindset that I want us to focus in on before we look at the rest of the passage to help us with potential. The action... And a mindset and the action is in the first verse there in verse 12 one of those days Jesus went out on a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. Jesus prayed because he wanted to keep relationally connected with his father Jesus prayed because he knew that he was on his father's business so he wanted to, to keep on knowing that am I doing the right thing father Jesus prayed because he gave us a pattern to follow. And also, we see in other other passages, he prays before big decisions take place. Action. Ask God. What decisions do you have in your life at the moment? Big decisions. Jesus is just about to make a decision of who's going to be the leadership team of the movement that produces a tree, that produces more fruit, that can produce more trees, that can produce more fruit and then can spread throughout the whole world with the good news of Jesus. He's choosing the leadership team, 12 seeds, and he calls to himself 12 that he designates apostles. Out of the crowd of disciples, verse 17, which we'll look at in a moment, he calls 12 Mark Chapter 3 says he calls them to be with him. We'll we'll have a look at that in a moment. But let's think, what decisions do you have at the moment to make? And how are you making them? How many of you make a plus and minus or pros and cons list when making big decisions? Nods? Some of you sometimes. Sometimes. It's really interesting on this, this side, because people use their faces rather than their heads when they nod, and so a few of that. Pros and cons. Some of you might do a cost-benefit analysis. Some of you may actually do cost-benefit analysis as the main part of your job. I looked at that as a career once. I put down the costs and the benefits, and thankfully for, for me, um, I, I didn't go down that route. Probably, thankfully, for everyone else as well. It might be that you look at performance data previously when making the decision. How has this situation worked out before? How has this person worked before? It might be that you invite others into the decision. There's a bit of collaboration going on. Who does that really, really quickly? I've got a decision. I'll ask a friend. Any more nods? Sometimes we might jump to someone else before we think about it ourselves. Maybe in decision making, you consider all the possibilities, you interview every everyone, or you you ask a lot of different people. You put all the pluses and minuses, everything out on the table. Maybe you also clarify the aims and purpose behind the decision. What does Jesus do? He spends a night time in prayer on a mountainside. Jesus was intentional, when it came to the decision-making, he was intentional about spending time in prayer. He knew that he needed God's wisdom. He knew that he needed to, to have that clarity from God, what he wanted, because Jesus was living for the Father's will and pleasure. So he was intentional about spending time in prayer. He was committed to not just praying and then jumping straight into action, but he spent a whole night in prayer, sitting with his father, talking and listening to him. He was disciplined to go to a place free from distraction in order to pray. I wonder if when you pray, you've ever gone to a mountainside or your, your equivalent where you are free from distraction and you can hear the only voice, the only opinion that truly matters. I wonder when you went into a place so you could, were free from distraction, maybe even leaving your phone behind. Oh, but I use the YouVersion Bible app. Get a paper one. Get a paper Bible, use a paper Bible so your phone or, or device goes, goes out and you're free from distraction. So that you can hear the only voice that truly matters. The voice of God our Father. If you're making decisions, ask God. Because he will help, help lead your path straight. We lean not on our own understanding. But in all our ways we acknowledge God. And he will lead our path straight. So that was the verse that Zach was given. So ask God. An action, to ask God, a mindset to see people's potential, not just how they currently present. Walt Disney, the one from whom whom Disney, the company, gets his name, was fired from his job in the Kansas City Star newspaper because his editor felt he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. That editor could not see the potential in Walt Disney. Albert Einstein, his teacher, said he will never amount to anything. They simply saw him as he was presenting. The head teacher of Richard Branson's school when he was a child, a teenager, sorry, saw that there was potential in Richard Branson. But he wasn't sure which way that potential would go. Because he knew that he could potentially go one of two ways. And he said, this boy will either end up in prison or a millionaire. People can see potential in others. And maybe you have had people say about you or to you, I see this in you. Or there's more from you, more inside you than you believe in yourself. Potential, as I said earlier on, means having or showing the capacity to develop into something else in the future. The potential to improve, the potential to develop, the potential to lead, like Beth and Isabella were doing. In our church, we want to release potential, we want to release gifting, we want to, to see... Uh, each person grow and see their their God-given potential released more and more fully, not for their sake or for our sake, but for the kingdom of God's sake. And when Jesus calls these 12 out of the crowd of disciples, verse 17, we see or know that Jesus is intentionally calling people that have the potential to more. There you have Simon who's a fisherman, his brother Andrew. Andrew's pretty much always just known as Simon's brother. You've got the potential to be a brother. Now Jesus called him, not just his brother, he called him. James and John, known as we see in other uh, Gospels, known as the sons of thunder or the brothers of thunder. Jesus saw in them the potential for a lot of noise, a lot of chaos probably, but he also saw the potential to turn a son of thunder, John, into a son of love. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved, as we see in John's Gospels and Letters, Gospel and Letters. Jesus saw more in these people than they first appeared to have. And I wonder if you have ever experienced that, when someone has said, there's more in you than we see at the moment. And not in a kind of, you could do better way, that kind of teacher phrase. But when someone, and the relationship isn't just a kind of in front of kind of saying, but someone draws alongside you and says, there's more in you that I want to help draw out. I want to help nurture. I want to help grow in you. God does that in um, Joshua t- chapter six. Gideon the mighty warrior is hiding in a wine press. And God appears to him and he says, Hey Gideon, mighty warrior. God saw in Gideon more than Gideon saw in himself. I wonder if you have had that where you have been told by someone that there's more. They see more in you than you see in yourself. And they want to grow or invest in you, grow, kind of draw it out of you. It might be, though, that sometimes you've experienced where someone hasn't seen your potential that you know is there. And they say, we don't see that. Maybe you've gone for a job that you're desperate to have or you've gone to start a course you've applied for a course and you you know that that's the thing that you're meant to be or to do and they just say, you're just not good enough. Maybe a parent has said it over you or a teacher or an employer but you know that there's more to you than they are seeing. I believe that Jesus has got some um, encouragements for us today. What we see in Jesus calling these apostles is he reverses the norm. The norm in, in that day was that a d- disciple would go up to a rabbi, a teacher, and say, can I follow you? Can I be your disciple? Jesus flips it on its head and says, you, you. You, you, you. I want you to be my disciples. Not just my disciples. I want you to be my apostles. Mark chapter 3 verse 13 to 15 says that he called them to be with him. And then sent them to preach. To drive out demons and evil spirits. And um, Matthew chapter 10 says um, that he, he sent them out also to heal all sicknesses. Jesus called these people to be with him, and he flipped the norm. And this morning, I want to encourage you by just saying that Jesus flips the norm. And he says to you, I call you. I want to release the God-given potential in you. I've asked my father, actually, my father and I are one. He says that in John, John's gospel. And we've been talking about you. And we want to release things in you, not just your giftings in church, but we want to help you flourish as an accountant. We want you to help you flourish as, as a person, not just a job of what you do, but flourish as a person in God's kingdom. And whatever job you do, we want, um, God wants to help you flourish in that. But it might also be that he releases spiritual gifts to build up his kingdom in the church and beyond its walls. Hang on a sec. I just realized I said an error then. I said that the church has walls. And I don't feel any walls on me. One of the the repeated things that people say when they come into this building is, this doesn't look like a church. Well, no, this is a home for our church, but the church is God's people scattered everywhere and they gather together and they're sent from here, like Jesus did with the apostles, calling them to him and then sending them out with him and his spirit. Jesus approaches these men, and it is just men that are detailed here. But we also know that within that crowd of disciples there were women and children present as well. And he releases them according to gifting and calling, not just gender. But these 12, he starts um, calling them to himself. And he places worth on them. He says, "You're, you're worthwhile spending time with. He places value on them, by inviting them into closer relationship. It's difficult to learn how to be like someone from a distance. So Jesus calls them to be with him so they can learn to be more like him. Jesus knew he was going to need to be gracious with these people because he knew that they would make mistakes. But he saw potential in them, so he wanted to spend time with them and then release them and use them but he also knew that he needed to give them his Holy Spirit in the book of Acts once they had received God's Holy Spirit that's when the potential really starts to show in chapter 4 of the book of Acts they're described as ordinary men unschooled people who've been with Jesus and it scares people. In Acts chapter 5 there's a discussion about what should we do about these, these apostles, they're stirring up things that are turning the world upside down, well actually we can turn things upside down with our prayers if they had stuck on, um, the Ukrainian flag would have been turned upside down and the things were being turned upside down in Jerusalem in a good way and the apostles had been arrested, and the Sanhedrin, the, the, some religious le- uh, leaders, uh, were having a discussion. And one of them, a man called Gamaliel, stood up at their trial and, and shared different occasions where um, people had started something, and then once you'd taken out the leader, it had come to nothing. I want us to just have a look at verse 38 and 39. Gamaliel says, In the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Verse 40 goes on, His speech persuaded them, and after they flogged the apostles, they sent them out. And the apostles carry on doing what they were doing. Why? Because Jesus had... Not just called them to himself, but he'd released a seed. A seed that would plant a tree, that would bear fruit, that would plant more trees, that would bear more more and more fruit. They couldn't stop talking about Jesus the Messiah, the good news. Jesus saw in these people not just human potential. He wasn't just inviting them to, to a leadership training retreat for three years. He wanted to empower them by his Holy Spirit and get them to continue to do what he came to earth to do. Okay, First word that comes to your mind when I say the disciples' name, Thomas. Say it louder? Doubt. Look at this map where the disciples ended up, the, the original 12 apostles. Anyone recognize the country of India? It's just here. Thomas, the disciple who you all just said that when you think of Thomas, you think of doubt. You think of, he didn't believe enough. He went physically the furthest with the good news of Jesus because he ended up being martyred in India. Jesus saw potential And empowered by his Holy Spirit, these disciples went out. And they did amazing things in Jesus' name. I wonder this morning whether or how God wants to release the potential in you. The passage goes on in uh, verse 17 um, to 20. So 17 to 19, we have a bit of narrative. And then in verse 20, he turns to his disciples and says, Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. You can see some of those words there. He's saying, basically, blessed are you when, when people hate you. This is a real rubbish pep talk. Right, I've gathered my seeds together, and now I'm going to talk to them and say... It's going to be really, really hard. But actually, what he was saying was you're giving your life for something that is bigger than you, something that is greater than you. There's more potential in you than you will realize in your lifetime. So, live your life to leave a legacy, be planted so that you can grow fully and fruit can come that will continue Jesus isn't blessing poverty or hunger or weeping or hatred he's not saying they're good things he's saying that that will happen but there is a blessing in heaven when that happens for you on the other side there are some woes And we've got to stop and take account when there is a woe in the Bible because there's a warning here. Woe to you who are rich. Woe to you who are well fed. Woe to you who laugh now. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you. Maybe if when you think of your life, you're on this side the warning Jesus is saying to you is the potential I've placed within you you're using for your own momentary satisfaction you're eating the apple like most people in South Bucks but I want you to release the seed so my kingdom can grow Give yourself to something bigger than yourself. Some of you are thinking, what about Judas? Did Jesus, did Jesus get it wrong? Because he was chosen as an apostle to be with Jesus and to be sent in the power of Jesus. And he's described described in verse 16 as who would become a traitor. Anyone else notice that? Jesus saw potential in him maybe as the treasurer because we see elsewhere he looked after the the group's purse. Or was it that Jesus um, knew that he would become the traitor? John 6 verse 64 says that he did. It says that right from the very beginning, Jesus knew which one of the disciples didn't believe and would betray him. So why on earth did Jesus choose Judas? There's a beautiful thing here that as I prayed through this, that we see in the calling of the seeds, we see something of the beautiful love of Jesus, that Jesus is willing to call the person who is a failure, who would mess up and mess up and mess up. And we think, oh yeah, Peter messed up. Thomas doubted. James and John, they, they were wanting to call down thunderbolts, lightning bolts and thunder on people rather than showing love and care. But with the one that would betray Jesus to death, Jesus was still willing to associate himself with him. Why? Because Jesus came in to this world to show the love of God to all. And there's something very encouraging to each of us. No one in this room or watching online is beyond the invite of Jesus to come to be with him. Whether you think that you've done things, that oh no, God couldn't invite me. I've done this or that. No, he even invites Judas to be with him. But also Jesus invites Judas because he knew what Judas would do And that was part of God's plan. Because Jesus was living his life for something bigger than himself. Humanly bigger than himself. Jesus was planting a seed when he went down into the grave. After dying on the cross, planting a seed. That would burst into new life. He was counting the cost when people, through insults and hatreds, towards him and the blessing was for you and me to come to God's and have our sins forgiven Jesus came to live to give his life as a ransom for many to pay the price for our sin the cost of our rebellion to die in Judas's place to, to die in our place Jesus chose the cross when he chose Jesus. If you're making a decision, that has the potential to go one way or another. Ask God. Take time to listen to the one voice that truly matters. If you're looking at people, if you're making decisions about people, ask God first. And then see, choose to see the potential in people, not just how they currently present. See what God has placed within them. And let's be a church that continues to draw those things out of people so that every one of us is like a, a seed planted that bears fruit, that goes on to bear fruit as God kingd- God's kingdom grows. We're to give our lives for something bigger than ourselves. Jesus did that. And I want to thank him in prayer now. And in that prayer, I will also pray some words that you can say to Jesus, I want to be with you. And maybe for the first time you're going to pray this prayer, I want to be with you, I I recognize Jesus I am not the person that I want to be because I've messed up I'm broken I've sinned to use the Bible words and I don't want that and I admit that I need you I give my life I submit my life to you I'm not living for the momentary satisfaction I'm going to give my life for something that is bigger and that's your, your will your purposes and I'm going to commit myself to you And as Jesus invites us to come, we also invite his Holy Spirit into our lives. Let's pray. And then if anyone does want to be baptized because they've prayed that prayer, either today for the first time, or they've prayed it before, but they haven't um, followed the command and instruction of Jesus to be baptized, then we can baptize you today. Father God, we thank you for the pattern Of prayer and releasing potential that Jesus showed us. And we ask you, God, for wisdom in the decisions that we are making. Help us to hear your voice. And I thank you, God, that you invite us to come to you. Like you invited the the apostles to come and be with you, you invite us to be with you. And we respond to that invite now and we admit that we need you and that you died on the cross to pay the price of our sin. And we submit our lives to you. We lay our lives down before you and we commit ourselves to you. And your purposes. We invite and receive your Holy Spirit. Into our lives as well. We pray this Lord in your wonderful name. Amen.